Welcome to the Autodesk Game Dev Podcast. This week we speak with Abhishek Singh, an inventor and creator. Abhishek has created an augmented reality game with the Microsoft HoloLens, along with Unity and Autodesk's Fusion 360. We'll talk with Abhishek about that process, as well as his experiences as an inventor. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Autodesk Game Dev Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Doyle, and we've got kind of an interesting show today I think you're all going to like. We're going to take a little bit of a detour from what we normally do. And today we have with us Abhishek Singh, who's a bit of a maker and inventor. However, he did work on a little project, an uh, augmented reality game project, and we're going to talk about that with him today. So welcome to the show, Abhishek. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're really excited to hear a little bit about this game you've worked on, as well as maybe talk about some of the other stuff you do, because again, as I see from your website, that you're, you're more of an inventor and a maker. So why don't you start out by just kind of telling us a little bit about yourself, what it is that you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, full name is Abhishek Singh, and I graduated uh, last year from this program at NYU called IPP, which is the Interactive Telecommunications Program. Um, and uh, I then continued and stayed on uh, for one year as a research assistant, where essentially I was free to do whatever I liked and experiment with all kinds of technologies, as well as use the resources that NYU had. Uh, uh, during that time, I started playing with the HoloLens and augmented reality in particular, and that was what led to the Super Mario game. In addition to that, I, as you rightly kind of said, I'm kind of like a maker, inventor, creator kind of thing. And I lo love playing with new technologies. I love just experimenting, building small projects, small interesting projects, and specifically projects that in some way kind of delight the users and have this element of surprise to them. So um, specifically the Super Mario project... It, it's kind of weird how it came about. It, it just started actually with me wanting to experiment with the Microsoft HoloLens as well as kind of play with augmented reality. And as I mentioned previously, I had access to a HoloLens thanks to my affiliation with NYU. Um, so it seemed like a good opportunity to build something with it. I didn't initially start off with the intention of building Super Mario. Like it's kind of evolved over the process of learning and becoming familiar with uh, the HoloLens development. So it actually, it's kind of an interesting, interesting process of how I arrived at Super Mario. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I uh, began developing, or when I was wanted to start building something, the only thing I had in mind is that I wanted to create this kind of large immersive outdoor experience, uh, which I thought would be some sort of runner game that I would play in the streets of New York and I would go through the streets collecting these items and whatever these items could be stars, they could be some power-up, something like that. But my main intention was that I wanted to use the HoloLens in a, in a setting that it is not normally used for. It's not uh, meant to be used in uh, because even if you see what the HoloLens says, it says that it's meant to be used in indoor settings um, where the light can be controlled, where it's not, uh, where the space is not too large, and that's what it's been designed for. And also, mm. more or less, their positioning has been to focus on uh, enterprise applications. 
So I kind of wanted to push it outside its comfort zone and see what I could do with that. And that's where the initial idea was that I want to create this large, expansive outdoor running experience of sorts. Uh, but obviously, the first step to reach to that thing was to learn how to develop for it. Right. Uh, and during that development process, like as all simple development kind of starts, I was going through the tutorials and um, um, as part of those tutorials, I think I, I took a like a plain white cube and I placed it in the scene. And for some reason, I placed this white cube, I dragged and placed it right above my head. And then I stepped under it and I don't know why, but for some reason I jumped. And as soon as I jumped, all these memories from childhood came rushing back <laughs> yeah. and I was like, my God, this is uh, Super Mario, and that white cube is the brick that I'm supposed to break when I jump. Um, and just taking it from there, I immediately kind of switched track and said that my expansive outdoor runner game should be Super Mario instead. Um, and I just kind of took it from there. Well, that's very cool. I, li- I like how you organically kind of came to the idea. So yeah. just in case anyone wants to see what we're talking about, if you go to uh, Abhishek's website, that would be shake it, right? So shake.it. Yes, yes. Okay. So yes. yeah, just go to shake as, so that's S H E K dot I T. And you'll be able to see a lot of the cool stuff that Abhishek has been working on. Some of the things he's invented. He's got a cool uh, animated GIF camera there and mm-hmm. this little desktop robot, which looks really cool. Uh, and then of course you'll be able to see the game that, that we're talking about. Very cool. So can you tell us a little bit about? the game's development like um or you know let's let's take a step back actually why did you decide to even make a game what you know you're most of the stuff i see on your website is is more you know like you said along the lines of invention and maker type mm-hmm. stuff why did you decide uh to go with an ar game was it was it that the ar stuff that you were most interested in or what was it yeah it was it was a mix of uh uh, these things. I one was obviously I was interested in AR, and uh, when I'm interested in something, I use the uh, uh, the uh, I use uh, learning or like building while learning as a method to kind of get to know more about the technology. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to build something in AR, and I wanted to build something using the Hololens. And since I wanted to use the Hololens in a setting that is not meant to be used in, which is like outdoor and in large expansive settings, a kind of a some sort of game or some sort of experience um, seemed interesting. And also at the same time, I wanted to have like fitness angle to it because I thought, Hey, like I'm I'm super into fitness and AR could be used possibly to create these kind of virtual augmented fitness trails of sorts, uh, which would be, which would create like interesting, unique, delightful experiences that Mm -hmm. only you would kind of be aware of. So, uh, so that's what it's, it kind of started with, and, and but the thing that was lacking in in the project that I was thinking about is it didn't really have a purpose. Like I wanted to create this expansive thing that people would move through, they would collect. But what was the purpose at the end of it? Like, was it to finish the uh, track in the fastest time? Was it to compete against other people? Was it purely kind of fitness and fun? And uh, I, I guess Super Mario, to some extent tied all that in together like it did Mm. have a fitness element to it because the end of it like the entire stage when you map it into the real world is like almost 110 meters long so and you have to jump and you have to move and you have to kind of run so it has that element to it and of course it has a purpose it's like it has this entire legacy that nintendo brings along with it and the entire purpose that you have to finish this stage with the intention of making it within a certain time limit so it kind of tied in a lot of those things which is why uh it made sense to kind of switch 
switch uh, attack a bit and select Mario as my kind of game. Mm-hmm. So you're a one-man shop, right? Yes. So how long did it take you to build the demo? Well, this demo took me roughly, I, I would say, about a month. I, I, yeah, I would say about a month. Uh, but it also included uh, building all the assets because a lot of the assets that you find online are obviously 2D because Mario was meant to be a 2D side-scroller. So right. I had to recreate a lot of the assets um, in 3D, which also involved reimagining all of the assets, like how would they look in 3D? Because we are always used to seeing the brick only from one angle, but yeah. we don't know what the brick looks from the underside. And the same thing goes for like the Goombas and the Koopa Troopas. We always see them. We won't always been used to seeing them only from one angle. So, mm-hmm. uh, but when you go into 3D and when you specifically go into augmented reality, which means now I can now start circling around and walking around this Goomba and I can start uh, jumping right underneath the brick or like looking at it from every possible angle, then you also need to design the assets in such a way that they make sense from every uh, angle that they can be viewed from. Right. So I see that you used Fusion 360 to create the assets. Was there any specific reason for using that versus, say, Max Uh, or MyLT or something? I think it's just familiarity. Uh, Fusion 360 was... um, the first a CAD program that I started learning and u- using, which was, I, I guess, about a year ago. So, uh, and it's, it's I, I really like it. It's, mm-hmm. it's solved my, uh, e- even a few of my other projects, which is like the uh, the GIF robot and all I designed completely in uh, Fusion 360, including the, uh, the GIF printing camera. So it's just, I guess, familiarity. And uh, because... Uh, because a lot of the Super Mario assets do have this, I wanted to give them this 8-bit pixelated kind of look, and Fusion mm-hmm. 360 um, kind of worked really well for that with its parametric design. Right, yeah, I was going to say, one of the things I like about Fusion 360 is the parametric modeling, how everything yeah. is, is exactly. uh, you, and you can go back all the way through That's all the, the different best. steps I, to make I, I changes. Love, I love the history, and I love the ability that just changing a few variables here, or creating everything as a variable and changing it, the entire yeah. design kind of updates in real time. That, that's, yeah, it's that's great the tool. best part for me. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's good to see people out there using it for games. That's very cool. Yeah, I know. Again, something that's not meant to be used for, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's. I mean, I've seen other people, uh, a few articles here and there on using it to create game assets, especially hard surface Things like guns yeah. and things like that. Um, yeah. And it's a very effective tool for that, definitely. Cool. Yeah. So uh, you also used Unity as your game engine, and then obviously you used the HoloLens. Can you talk to us a little bit about that process for creating an AR game? Like, what was that like? Yeah, uh, so uh, the HoloLens, uh, so Microsoft has released the Unity package for the HoloLens. Uh, so Unity is one of the preferred platforms uh, for building apps for the HoloLens. Um, it also has the most documentation and the most support on the forums. I think there's another um, option, which is DirectX, but I don't think there's too much use for that. Uh, so the process of kind of building it is you uh, you use Unity, you kind of import the HoloLens package. Uh, in my case, because I had to do a lot of customization, I had to like, kind of dig deep into those uh, packages and make modifications to the actual code. But more or less, it's pretty easy to get started, and their uh, tutorials online are uh, quite helpful. Uh, the only thing is that they're not really up to date, but the package 
package keeps changing, but still, mm-hmm. to get started, it's pretty good. Uh, in addition to that, they also have uh, useful forums, uh, the HoloLens forums, where in most cases, you will get someone to respond to a query that you have put up, uh, which in my case was a lot because um, there isn't too much uh, support at this stage for, um, there isn't that bigger community at this stage. That's what I would uh, put it as. Uh, but it is a small yet kind of active community, so that definitely helps. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, I think you're you're definitely right about having a good community around these devices, because a lot of times the you know the companies that are making the devices don't have as much time. I mean, the community can put exactly. out so many more tutorials and help exactly. than just the company can by itself. Exactly. And actually, that that thing, speaking about community, like th- that was something that really stood out for me when I started uh, working with Fusion 360 because uh, their online support forums were like so amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. At least that's what I felt is you would put up a query and almost within 24 hours, someone from the community and, and in all likelihood, someone from Autodesk would reply with an answer, uh, which is why also I continued uh, with Fusion 360 even through like the earlier days where it didn't necessarily have all the uh, the features but that's the beauty of a cloud-based app is that they're con- continuously updating it and the yeah. community was definitely one of the aspects that kind of kept me hooked in so i assume then so basically hololens microsoft hololens has a plug-in for unity and then you just make, basically make calls into the plug-in uh you know or get data back from the plug-in using uh, what, javascript yes. or or yes, c-sharp so so yeah uh I wrote it in C-sharp. Unity also supports their version of JavaScript, mm-hmm. uh, but you would find most of the documentation spe- uh, specifically for the HoloLens stuff uh, in C-sharp. In C-sharp, okay. Uh, uh, so the, the package gives you the ability to kind of uh, utilize a lot of the hardware that the HoloLens provides. So some of the thing is like um, it allows you to map the entire uh, entire room or the t- entire place and detect surfaces and a kind of return a mesh and all those kind of things. So uh, you can ut- utilize the functions that are given in that package to essentially use the hardware that the HoloLens kind of provides. So use mm-hmm. the camera or use the surface mapping um, or use any of the other sensors that it, that it kind of provides and detect itself in space, its orientation, its movement, its ro- rotation. And those were the kind of the things that I used to essentially give you the ability to jump and be able to interact with things because the HoloLens um, is a camera that, I mean, it's a, a computer that you place on your head. Right. And it knows its position in space. So when it knows its position uh, position in space when you jump, um, it also mm-hmm. affects the position of the camera. So essentially what I am doing to detect the collision between you as a person and the virtual objects is actually de- detecting a collision between where the camera exists in space and the virtual objects. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And what about for uh, the hands and stuff? So, like, I know you can pick the menu buttons and stuff with your hands. Did you have to have special gloves yes. or a device in your hand? No. Uh, so, it's actually uh, no gloves, no spe- uh, specific special devices needed. Uh, what the HoloLens also provides is gesture tracking, except that it provides um, tracking for two types of gestures. One is the air tap which is essentially you putting your finger, uh, index finger and thumb out and then uh, uh, kind of pressing it, tapping them together. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the bloom gesture, which is kind of like a flower bloom, which uh, brings everything back to the home screen. So these are the two uh, gestures that HoloLens uh, 
supports right out of the box and this is also something that you would use their package to kind of listen to events that are triggered by these gestures so the gloves that i wore uh in the video was purely for cosmetic uh benefit because that's the gloves that mario wears right but yeah. other than uh, other than that just by using your hands you can tap and interact with the menu which i do and at the same time i also use that same gesture to fire once you um, get that flower once you eat the flower the flower that gives you the power to shoot mm-hmm. that's yeah. very cool i mean the technology of the hololens is really impressive it's super impressive it's 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 really impressive i'm, I'm super excited to see the only thing is i think they're releasing the next hololens sometime in 2019 so i hope um i, I i'm kind of excited to see what they'll be doing over the mm-hmm. next two years, uh, and and they have a lot of uh, it's an extremely like, sophisticated, extremely like, exciting, extremely interesting uh, piece of technology. There are definitely issues which uh, exist with all uh, kind of uh, technologies, especially like first versions. But for the first version that they have released, I am extremely, I'm, I'm super impressed by it. Yeah, well, it sounds like you didn't have too much trouble either using the the API for Unity. I mean, if you got this done in a in a month. And that includes creating the assets and whatnot. So, um, I mean, I wouldn't say I didn't have trouble. I mean, I, I definitely <laughs> at the end of it, what, I, what I'm telling you and uh, what I kind of put online is a very like simplified version, which is like free of all the bugs and all the hair pulling and all the things that I had to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it was a one sleepless month. Uh, it's not the easiest, I guess, because as I said, the documentation is not always there. It's spread all over the place. Uh, you have to like piece things together and you have to really dig deep into the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, it sounds easy um, in retrospect, but at the time, definitely. It was hard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So what do you think about the differences between augmented reality, virtual reality, and mixed reality? And you know, a lot of people are using the term augmented reality and mixed reality kind of interchangeably these days. Yeah. Yes. So what what do you think, like, what are the futures of these three technologies? You know, what kind of uses do you see? Do you think they're going to continue to grow or are we just seeing a, a temporary fad? What do you think? No, I mean, I think uh, definitely, I think um, both like, yeah, I, I, even for me, I guess, uh, let's just kind of maybe like group augmented reality and mixed reality into one for, uh, for at least this talk's purposes. But mm-hmm. if I was to separate AR and uh, VR, I think both of them will continue to grow. Um, uh, my bet is that AR will, which it already has, um, will have earlier widespread adoption as compared to VR. Uh, for, and that's for several reasons. One of them is obviously like you can see all the biggest equipment manufacturers and uh, uh uh, companies are supporting VR already and uh, are supporting AR already and AR is already kind of available in your phones and your mobile devices which means that mm-hmm. already hundreds of millions of people have access to it uh, in the palm of their hands uh, whereas VR requires you to have um, to purchase an additional device in addition to that you have to purchase an additional computer that can support VRs that uh, that has the uh, ability to render those graphics right so in terms of barrier to entry, AR already has kind of the upper hand. And in addition to that, also from like a user experience point of view, I feel uh, AR has advantages over a VR because VR is more immersive definitely than uh, AR, but that immersion kind of comes at a cost is that you have to you have to disconnect from the environment. So it demands right. a lot on on part of on the part of the user like it requires you to set aside everything 
uh, immerse yourself in this headset and stay in it for the next whatever 10 15 kind of 20 minutes whereas ar can be more passive and uh, it's that passiveness for me which will actually make it more attractive to users because it doesn't require so much of the user yeah what do you think so obviously google kind of already stepped into the ar space with google glass for whatever reason that did not take off you know obviously what are your thoughts on the google glass that didn't take off and then obviously the differences with that and say hololens and and whatnot yeah i think um Google Glass not taking off was probably, for me, I think, like a position issue is that they were positioning it for regular consumers to start using, and maybe the consumers weren't ready for it at that point of time. It had all these privacy aspects and security aspects Mm -hmm. that were cropping up uh, thanks to that. But it is making a revival now, and it's making a revival now because I think they've figured out that they shouldn't be promoting it directly to consumers, but promoting it for specific use cases. And I've been reading that it's being used specifically for like construction workers and enterprise uh, enterprise use cases, which for me, HoloLens has been probably rightfully doing from the start is that it's not positioned as a consumer-facing device. It's, it's an expensive device, which is focused on enterprise applications and specifically on tasks that the enterprise would uh would require for this for themselves so that's why i feel like a true consumer grade ar capable glass is probably five years or ten years away uh, mm-hmm. at this stage um and google probably figured that out it figured that out a little late but it has figured that out and that is why you're now seeing uh, the glass version 2 being re-released but completely only focused on enterprise use cases yeah, that actually kind of makes a lot of sense too. I mean, and in, in fact, it seems like if you go that route where you're putting it into enterprise, you know, construction hands and whatever people working mm-hmm. in those areas, that somehow eventually because it's there, people will get used to it and maybe it'll exactly. be more readily accepted in the consumer market. Exactly. Yeah, because a lot of this is also like just kind of catering to and adjusting the mindset of consumers. And mm-hmm. we're probably just not ready yet to see people walking uh, like sitting in a subway with a vr headset on their head or like walking around with the ar glass because we don't know what they're doing and there are obviously a lot of like privacy concerns and security concerns that am i being recorded um like is everything online is is this a way to like further tap into uh into my data so there's a lot of things that come crop up as a result of that yeah, definitely. We could have a whole long conversation about that, about exactly. the philosophy behind it all. Definitely. Very cool. You've got a lot of great stuff on your website. What are you working on next? What's what's your, your next thing? Oh, well, I just completed a couple of uh, uh, projects. One of them was the, the camera that prints out a GIF. Uh, so that is completely separated from AR, VR, any of those kind of things. So uh, which is Kind of my kind of philosophy, I like to like delve into multiple technologies and not probably focus too much on just one mm-hmm. for whatever interests me and use the project as a medium to learn more about it. Uh, but I also released um, an, an another AR kit project. So AR kit is Apple's augmented reality platform. So I just okay. released an, another project on that, which essentially uh, also uh, is it's kind of similar to Mario the sense that it is uh, trying to uh, trying to help us kind of relive one of these things that you've seen when we were kids and you always wanted to be able to do so what it does is it allows you to st- send star wars like holograms um messages 
uh, to your friends, except they're, they're cool. of yourself. So, so let me kind of put that uh, better. What you can do is you can use your iPhone to kind of record uh, a little message of yourself and then send it to uh, your friends as a Star Wars hologram and it's delivered to them mm-hmm. through R2-D2 or BB-8 or another one of those Star Wars droids. Very cool. So we really appreciate having you on the show today, Abhishek. And uh, you've got some really cool stuff. If you guys want to check okay. it out at his website, that's uh, shake.it, S-H-E-K dot I-T. Definitely go check some of that stuff out. So um, is there anything else, like any other place where people can kind of get in touch with you, like Twitter or Facebook or anything like that? Yeah, uh, my Twitter, I my Twitter handle is uh, shake it up. So that is S-H-E-K-I-T. UP, uh, and that's a good place to get a, a reach out to me. I also have an email up on my website, and I'm pretty responsive on email. So either of those options, two options are the best. Okay, fantastic. So once again, thanks for being on the show with us today, Abhishek. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we wish you all the best in your future endeavors, and we look forward to seeing uh, what you come up with next. Thanks. You've been listening to the Autodesk Game Dev Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find more stories like this at area.autodesk.com or subscribe to Game Dev on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADSK Game Dev or follow the Autodesk Game Dev Facebook page. <laughs>